You're listening to Activation Energy by the Chemical Angel Network. I'm your host, Selma Duhovich. In this episode, I speak with Dr. Tina Tosukowang, the Investment Director at TDK Ventures. Tina has a PhD in Chemical Engineering and has worked both at startups and large corporations. Before joining TDK Ventures, Tina was the Senior Director at GC Ventures, where she focused on investing in advanced materials, clean tech, and biotech. Tina, thanks so much for coming on the show again. Uh, Last time you were here, we talked about sustainability in green chemistry, and I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on investing in deep tech. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Selma. Let's start by defining deep tech. What is it? Great question. So to me, deep tech is technologies that require scientific discoveries or engineering knowledge to develop technology solutions. So the deep tech space includes areas like advanced materials, advanced computing, like quantum computing, photonics, batteries, and industrial technologies, and etc. And how does it differ from clean tech, if at all? Well, I think uh, there's no um, black or white. Um, a lot of clean tech is really rolled under deep tech because to solve problem around uh, clean tech, uh, we're talking about how to remove CO2 from the atmosphere, right? So some of these cannot be solved by doing software development programming. You could do uh, to a certain extent uh, developing uh, some software for battery management, but at the end of the day, um, to really make an improvement to remove uh, CO2 from the atmosphere, you need to develop some device, some equipment. So deep techs really encompass all those knowledge in material science, in engineering that uh, you put together a product that is uh, required to solve the problems. And, uh, but it's also goes beyond clean tech. It's also goes into um, other areas like new materials for display, uh, new materials uh, required to put together semiconductor products and so on. But it's very distinct from area like software development, intro tech, fintechs, where uh, you often do uh, a new business model innovation and no experiment requires. So deep tech takes a lot more time and uh, capital requirement and resources to actually develop products that people can use. And what do you think is driving investment into these deep tech startups? How much money is being poured into this space, especially relative to 15 years ago? Yeah, so there are several drivers for deep tech investment, but I think Fundamentally, we know from the global mega trends that to improve things like resource utilization, increase productivity to feed more population uh, in the world, um, and to solve the uh, dire problem like climate change um, that threaten the livelihood of humanity, this cannot be solved by just digital innovation. We do need to make physical innovation and development, and that's where deep tech comes in. And um, in terms of the amount of money pouring into deep tech, last year is a record year for venture capital investment, but all across the board as well. 
And in the sectors that I cover, uh, which is clean tech and advanced materials, we've seen an, a record number of companies going public. And there are also many more VC funds. If I look around, especially clean tech funds that are raising bigger funds than before. So it's really encouraging because this is the area that uh, has been lacking in the capital expenditures. And that was because a lot of VC, um, they have a 10 years lifetime, they want to invest and they want to get the profit very quickly. So they view uh, areas like software to be uh, very capital efficient, easier to make products, uh, shorter iteration cycles. So uh, that has been the areas that a lot of money has gone in, but we are at the point of no returns if we don't address uh, some problems such as climate change, then um, it's going to be a point that damage cannot be reversed. So I'm very encouraged to see more and increasing investment in energy transition, in decarbonization that touch upon several sectors, whether it's the building, whether it's industry, whether it's the mobility area. So um, definitely a big increase in the interest and many more uh, startup companies uh, coming up with clever idea on how we may uh, make a difference. That's certainly encouraging to hear. Um, of course, now I'm wondering what you see as the biggest risks for deep tech startups as well as deep tech investors. Yes, there are several risks uh, for both the entrepreneurs and the uh, investors as well, right? Oftentimes, when the company is early stage, there's a lot of things that we don't know and we have to mitigate. Um, but if I have to boil it down, probably key things are uh, technology risk. When the company develop technology in the lab, um, they may get a very good results. Uh, but when they have to scale it up, then there's always going to be some unknowns that needs to overcome. For example, uh, if the company is developing new battery, anode, or cathode, they may get a very good results in the lab, increase energy densities and things like that. But as they scale up, testing uh, more cycles, putting more cells together, then there could be a new problem coming up that like the lifetime, the dendrite formation and so on and so forth. And each iteration cycle, it can take a long time as well. Once you design and build and test and come back to redesign uh, for software, I think that's very short, not costly. So for startup companies in deep tech space, it's always how you mitigate uh, and design a way to, to find out that uh, if something can go wrong, it can go wrong very quickly and then you fix it very quickly. Some technology is easy to do, but some is very hard. So imagine like uh, a fusion reactions. Uh, I think uh, people say 50 years ago that it's 20 years away. Today, people still say it's 20 years away because the capital cost that is needed to develop such technology uh, is also very high. So that brings me to the second category. It's like financial risk. I have seen time and time again that entrepreneurs uh, always underestimate the time and resources that it would take to, to develop the products and to sell the product as well. And 
this is many startups uh, getting trapped in the so-called valley of death where they, they have uh, the minimum viable products and then they start uh, commence their production only to realize that maybe the product that they thought was the MVP uh, is not quite a, a, a fit for the market or maybe they don't have the right unit economics and then uh, the, the money that it would need, uh, the time that it would be required to go back and change the process could be enormous and companies end up running out of cash and closing the door. So that has been quite common that we've seen. And other uh, possible risks uh, is uh, regulatory risk is also another big one. And depending upon the industry that you are in, there may be certain regulations, approval required before getting the products into the market. So I would say that all these three, um, technology, financial, regulatory risks, are some of the things that stick out for a lot of deep tech companies. So when you look at startups in the deep, deep tech space, what challenges do you see them coming across? And at the same time, what challenges do you as an investor in those startups find yourself having to deal with? Yes, um, for the startups, uh, as I mentioned, uh, they have to navigate through the technology, the financial and regulatory risks. So because the iteration cycle can be really long and costly, so they have to have a very good understanding of the customer needs very well before they're develop the MVP, right? Because um, if they don't understand uh, the real customer needs, then um, they may end up develop something that is not needed uh, at all. And then uh, that could be a, a fatal blow to the company because the cost to redo that can be like unattainable. Other things that I've seen uh, as the important things to keep in mind for the startups uh, it's unit economics. I've been through the cycle of clean tech and biotech 1.0 and many companies close the shop because they don't have the right unit economics. A lot of them was thinking about developing products and building such a big plants uh, so that they can reduce the fixed cost by spreading it out uh, over a number of units, right? But one thing to understand is that it does take time to develop the market because um, when you make a physical goods, the customer have to take the sample, do more testing, and introduce that new products into their customers. So the customer of the customer has to be the one that adopt and like the products and, and add that to their buying list. Uh, and this process can take a couple of years uh, for many of the materials, new materials and things like that. So when the company develop technologies and try to figure out their beachhead market, uh, they have to keep in mind, they should select for something that would give them the margin. And that margin can be something that goes back and help them improve the process and optimize the process and drive down the cost. It's not the right approach to focus on a large volume only to build a plant and found out that you cannot sell the product. I think that's too risky of, of a strategies. So uh, for me, uh, the best advice for startup is to plan ahead, uh, understand the real needs of the customer and understand the unit economics. 
And for the investor um, in the deep tech space is that it's very capital intensive and sometimes can take a very long time uh, to exit. So we need to weigh the risk and return uh, very carefully. And um, this is the area where uh, a lot of investors are coming together and co-invest alongside each other and leverage each other's knowledge to help the startups and entrepreneurs reduce the scale of risk. So it is, uh, it is a very hard space where there's always going to be a lot of unknowns and a lot of expertise that we can leverage can go on a long way. What characteristics do successful deep tech startups exhibit? Um, in other words, what do you see as the determinants of success? And I suppose we should first establish the definition of success for these entities and their endeavors. So uh, when I invest in startup, I look for um, the one that will make a big impact to sustainable future. So for the startups to be successful, they must be able to scale the company to become very big, right? If they can't scale the company to become very big, then the impact is gonna be small. So um, the determinant of success, uh, I would say it's, uh, it has to have a strong team. It has to have large addressable market and the core technologies and value proposition have to be very strong also. And a lot of times, uh, seasoned entrepreneur, uh, multiple times entrepreneur, uh, it's always helpful for someone who's been there, done that before, but it's not always uh, a guarantee that a person who has previous exits will have the, the next uh, company being a successful company either. So we have to look at uh, a lot of things uh, combined. And we want something with large addressable market. And oftentimes the, the market, if you look at the current year, it may be small, but we have to look at what do we believe the market will look like in five years, let's say. We want to see something like $10 billion, TAM and things like that uh, for us to be convinced that the company can eventually have a certain market share and become like a unicorn in the future. And then the technologies, we want to make sure that they have uh, freedom to operate and they have the IP that is defensible because this is the area that it takes time to scale. And if it's not protected, then the competitor can come into the market. And also finally the value proposition would someone pay for it? Is it solving a really big problem of unmet needs? And there's an urgency for that. So all these four components are what we spend a lot of time during the due diligence to, to give us a conviction we believe in the company. And there are probably uh, so many uh, deep tech startups that uh, is around, right? And as I mentioned, I define uh, them are successful as the company to really make an impact. And, and some of those you probably see like Tesla, right? Um, the jokes that goes around VC was like uh, when Elon Musk uh, drove around Sand Hill Road raising funds, uh, most of the VC uh, turned him down. But look at uh, how far the company has come. Uh, that has become iconic company and really revolutionized the uh, EV industry. So um, yeah, I think the, that is a real example of success. There's someone that's to totally visionary and really scale the company to be very big and really make a strong impact. 
nobody can succeed alone. So let's talk about the ecosystem. How important is it and what stakeholders other than investors contribute to a successful outcome for deep tech endeavors and ventures? Yes, there are many stakeholders involved in deep tech. And I think the ecosystem is very, very crucial because uh, as I mentioned, this uh, space, it takes a lot of funding. It takes a lot of time to scale the technologies and have the technology be in the market. And from funding, you have several uh, resources of non-diluted funding source like the SBIR, RPE programs, uh, DOE, Air Force, NASA, for example. And I think those are the resources that deep tech startups should explore and tap into because uh, some of these uh, technology, you need to improve the science behind it uh, before you can scale. And uh, finding a VC to fund science projects, sometimes it's very hard, right? Uh, it, it takes too long. So uh, some of these funding sources, um, they really provide funding that it is required for the startup company to, uh, to solve the scientific problems. And then um, money also doesn't guarantee success either. So a lot of technical founders uh, may find that being in the ecosystem around others, uh, startup companies in the accelerators, in the um, domain-specific incubator program, it actually can help them a lot to learn from uh, somebody in adjacent space and to get the right training that um, they need. A lot of the founders are you know, scientific, uh, technical-oriented folks, but to scale the company, there are other things that they need to learn about how to uh, refine their pitch, how to build a business model that would be scalable, and how to uh, get more exposure to reputable deep tech investors in the future. So in order for the deep tech company to scale up, uh, I would definitely encourage them to insert themselves into the ecosystem of deep tech so that it maximizes um, their chance of success. I'd like to dig deeper into the investors as stakeholders. Earlier, you mentioned strategic and financial investors. Can you elaborate on how corporate VCs are different from traditional ones? What advantages do they have over each other? And what can corporate VCs offer to deep tech startups that traditional VCs cannot? Yeah, good questions. So traditional uh, financial VCs, right, um, they have their limited uh, partners who are uh, basically looking for just financial returns. So the values that they bring to the LP is uh, financial return. So um, the financial VCs are very well known for that uh, ability to provide funding and help startups uh, shape their governance and business model. Now, um, corporate VC comes in and corporate VC, um, depending on how they structure, they might be dual purpose. Uh, one purpose is that they are looking for financial returns and the other purpose is they are looking for strategic returns. 
and different CVC would define uh, their goals differently. Uh, many of them don't look for a high financial return at all. They are looking for uh, strategic returns, finding the new technology pipeline so that um, they can introduce to their corporate mothership to accelerate the new innovation within the corporate uh, innovations uh, and to maybe find a new products that they can uh, go introduce to their existing customer. And that can be a really good partners for the startup companies. At TDK Ventures, uh, we also have several portfolio companies that develop partnership with our business group after the investment. So uh, some of our companies has developed their fundamental process technologies uh, in a certain market. And then when they got introduced to our business unit, they realized that, oh, there are actually other applications that they haven't thought about. And they found that collaboration through a paid JDA with TDK um, actually give them additional revenue and potential long-term uh, access to new market applications. So I think the CVC is unique in that perspective that if you have a very good strategic investors, startup companies may be able to leverage the corporate's capability to scale up their technology, to expand the market channel, the geography coverage, and uh, help scale the company faster than uh, they could have done with the financial VC alone. Okay, last question. Uh, tell me about TDK Ventures and TDK the Corporation. And I'd love to hear also about why you joined uh, the TDK Venture arm. So um, TDK Corporations uh, has been around since uh, 1935. We were a startup companies, believe it or not, back then. So our founder found a ferrite magnetic technologies from Tokyo Institute of Technologies, and he licensed that and developed that into um, products that we know nowadays. And um, the company originally uh, was based in Japan, but today 80% of our business is outside of Japan. And we have 129,000 employees worldwide, uh, 250 locations around the world. Uh, we make electronic components, components that goes into um, information and communication technologies, as well as components that goes into energy industry, such as the power system, inductor, uh, inverters, conductors, and lithium-ion batteries, for example. So we are very broad in terms of the uh, components that we offer. And the company uh, itself, TDK, has pivoted several times. Uh, if you were born around the 70s through the 90s, you may have TDK cassette tape in your basement somewhere. So those were the time that uh, TDK was a B2C, but we have since uh, pivoted back to a B2B companies. And uh, we've been around for a long time and we want to be around uh, and creating sustainable futures for the next generations. And that's why we set up the TDK Ventures. TDK Ventures uh, is an early stage uh, deep tech uh, VC 
that we focus on investing in startups that apply fundamental science to solve critical problems in the key megatrend area. And we invest globally in uh, several space such as climate tech, advanced materials, energy transition, digital transformation, computing and connectivities. Right now we have 23 uh, deep tech portfolio companies. Our fund is 200 million uh, in asset under management. And some of the portfolio companies uh, touch upon battery recycling, uh, like ascent elements. We also have span uh, that is making the smart electric panels that optimize the solar PV generation as well as the energy consumption around the household. And we have company, uh, four companies in last mile delivery space. So we have the two-wheelers, three-wheelers, we have the electric vertical takeoff and landing drone companies. Um, we also have uh, a new uh, Vertigy green hydrogen electrolyzer and so on. And recently I invested in uh, an IoT company that leveraged the satellite signals and it can reflect um, the water level uh, all around. So it, so one sensor can see uh, a mile's radius and tell you exactly how much water or snow is accumulated in that space. And that is very powerful because in some industry like the power generation, miscalculation in the amount of snow can really impact their bottom line significantly. So um, I joined TDK Ventures because the company's core values really resonate with what I believe in. We invest in companies that contribute to societies and we value the teamwork. We strive to deliver deep insight when we do the investment. And very importantly, we have entrepreneurial first mindset. And our platform team, uh, uh, is also as big as our investment team. So um, I'm part of the investment team, uh, but my portfolio managers uh, is there to support our portfolio company to make connections to our business group so that they can leverage the platform, the capability that our business group has, and then use that uh, to their advantage to scale their company. And at the end of the day, um, I want to focus and stress that Entrepreneurs are the heroes to our stories, and we want to make sure that they succeed. And when they do succeed, we can change the world together. So that's the real mission of TDK Ventures. Tina, this has been really great. Thank you again for sharing your insights with me.